0: Welcome into Scoops with Danny Mac on Fox 2. I'm Dan McLaughlin. Tonight we're talking baseball, American history, and men who changed the way we look at society and America's pastime. It's a look inside the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum at the historic 18th and Vine District in Kansas City. The area became a hub for African Americans after many moved there from decaying neighborhoods by the nearby Missouri River. Also, There's a hidden gem of baseball there. It's baseball history, most importantly of American history. It's the Negro League's Baseball Museum, a museum that welcomes all who comes through its doors, a museum in which history comes to life. This Midwestern treasure highlights the obstacles the players of color faced. It shows what they did to overcome the challenges of prejudice and social injustice in this country and how their talent, passion for life, and the game of baseball change major league baseball in America my guest tonight is Bob Kendrick and he is the curator of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum and Bob I got to tell you it is always great to see you how you doing
1: Dan it's great to see you man welcome back
0: well it's been too long and things have changed and yet some of the museum is the same if somebody walks through these doors What are they going to get?
1: Oh, they're going to get an amazing exploration of a story that unfortunately and sadly had escaped the pages of American history. But it's a nostalgic journey back in time to baseball when it was in black and white and uh, against that backdrop of American segregation rose this wonderful story of triumph and conquest known as the Negro Leagues. And the negro league baseball museum fully documents this very powerful compelling inspirational story it is such a precious piece of baseball and americana and as i mentioned so many folks didn't know this story and there are still those who believe that if it didn't happen in the major leagues then it didn't happen but we're here to tell you oh yes it did it happened and it happened in its full grandeur So how does Bob Kendrick
0: get involved with Buck O'Neill and all these great players? (laughs)
1: By happenstance, I was working for the Kansas City Star and I was working in the Star's Promotions Department functioning as the paper's in-house advertising agency. I was senior copywriter, and I just happened to draw the assignment of promoting the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum first ever traveling exhibition. And I remember walking in, looking for the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum to meet his executive director, a guy named Don Motley. He's since passed away. And and I remember walking in and I say, I'm looking for the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. He says, son, you're standing in it. And it was just this one room office, had a few pictures on on the wall, a few boxes on the floor. But little did I know that I had literally just walked into what would become my passion. And I... We talk about love at first sight it was love at first sight for me as it related to this history and i became engrossed in it and i wanted to learn as much as i could and then i didn't want to keep it to myself i wanted everybody else to feel the same way i felt about it and then i met buck o'neill and i tell people all the time once you're bitten by the buck bug it's a wrap there's no antidote for it you know you just want to be on bucks team and the charisma the passion the energy that he had for wanting this piece of history to be shared and preserved. And I remember asking him when I first met him, I said, well, Buck, what motivated you to want to build a Negro Leagues baseball museum? His answer was very succinct, but also very poignant, so that we would be remembered. And that's still our quest, is to make sure that, as I like to describe them, America's unsung baseball heroes will never be forgotten but for us as an institution to take the life lessons that stem from this powerful story of triumph over adversity and apply them in a relevant fashion today so that those future generations will not only be able to relate to this story, but I think be inspired and and maybe use it as that source of inspiration to go on and tackle what others might say is insurmountable.
0: Hey, Bob, hang tight, coming up, major league baseball has it done enough to recognize the great negro league players that's next on scoops with danny Mac here on fox 2. scoops with danny Mac on fox 2 is brought to you by ryan kelly the home loan expert schnooks rotler pest control stratum structural systems and hair saloon for men Welcome back to Scoops with Danny Mac on Fox 2. A reminder, there's daily content on the website, scoopswithdannymac.com. Podcasts, features, articles. If you've missed Bernie Mickless and his writing, you can see it all daily on scoopswithdannymac.com. Welcome back to the show on Fox 2. They are some of the biggest names in baseball, and you may not even know all that much about them. They were players that could have very well dominated major league baseball but they weren't allowed to play it's josh gibson buck o'neill oscar charleston and so many others mlb is trying to tell their story a little bit more and so let's bring in bob kendrick back to the show bob simply put is baseball doing enough to honor and recognize the great negro league players
1: you yeah, know, the relationship not only with Major League Baseball, but also Major League Baseball's Players Association is really starting to grow as it relates to the role of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum in several different lights. What baseball did in 2020, the end of 2020, December 2020, when it officially announced that it was recognizing the Negro Leagues as what we already knew it to be a major league. Well, that was game-changing, and it was game-changing from a historical validation standpoint. Now, mind you, the Negro League players were never seeking validation from anyone. They knew how good they were. They knew how good their league was. And you know what? The Major Leaguers knew how good they were. But from a historical standpoint, this was tremendous. I tell people all the time, Major League Baseball did, with one swipe of the pin, What the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum has been trying to do for the last three decades is help people understand how special this league really was and now baseball fans more baseball fans are interested in this story more so than ever before we've seen the level of engagement around this institution grow leaps and bounds since that time and and i know that we're on the right path we're on the right path and i and i think that major league baseball and the players association have also embraced this museum Understanding that as we continue to try and diversify our game from the standpoint of getting young African-American kids engaged and interested in playing our sport, that the history is very important. So as you can well imagine, when young urban kids walk into this museum, well, they see people who look just like them who played this game, Dan, as well as anyone ever played this game. But I also remind people that not only did they play the game, they owned teams and they were managers and coaches and traveling secretaries and team physicians. They fulfilled every role that you could fulfill within the business of this game. And so our sport, I believe, is the most aspirational of all of them. You have to see yourself, and they do. They get a chance to see themselves and see themselves in their full glory. And we think that that is part of the solution of helping bring urban kids back to our game, having them understand their legacy, their place, in this sport.
0: Hey, Bob, how would you describe the Negro Leagues in St. Louis? There were some great players that came through this town.
1: Oh, man. You know, St. Louis is very important as it relates to this story. They were one of the cities that had the original eight Negro League franchises. At that time, they were the St. Louis Giants. They would then morph and become the legendary St. Louis Stars. Great baseball franchise. The Stars were one of the Early Negro League teams to have his own ballpark, Stars Park, very near Harris-Stowe uh, University, Harris-Stowe College? Harris-Stowe University? Yeah, very near harris University. And uh, the legacy of black baseball in St. Louis is tremendous. There's a reason that there's a street named for Cool Papa Bell in St. Louis, because Cool comes to St. Louis early on. Early on, he's a youngster when he comes to St. Louis, but also the likes of Willie the Devil Wells, or El Diablo, as they called him in Mexico. And I had the chance to sit down with a friend of ours, the legendary Ozzie Smith, uh, for my podcast, Black Diamonds. And we talked about Willie Wells, because as I shared with the wizard, Willie Wells was Ozzie Smith before we ever knew who Ozzy Smith was. He was making those same kinds of acrobatic plays, but Willie Wells had power. He was a power hitting shortstop, and it would be Willie Wells who really in- created what we now know to be the batting helmet. Yeah, Willie Wells got beamed by a, a notorious spitball pitcher named Bill Bird. Bill Bird hit him in the head and knocked him unconscious. And the medical people said, well, you can't play the next day. Well, they clearly didn't know Willie Wells. Willie Wells comes back the next day with a construction helmet taped around his head and that really became the batting helmet. That's the inspiration for the batting helmet. And this thing kind of emerges in the Negro Leagues as a result of Willie Wells' ingenuity and his tenacity and toughness. But no, St. Louis has had great black baseball history. M- Mule Suttles, Willie Wells, the list of great stars that called St. Louis home for years they are so vitally important to this story, and of course, again, you got a street name for Cool Papa Bell. Now, I don't know what the speed limit is. I think it's probably 25, 30 miles an hour. That's too slow. Yeah, that's too slow. They should have named a section of the freeway for Cool Papa Bell. <laughs> I got to
0: tell you, you are an amazing storyteller. You get everybody's attention. I love it. You could go into any city, tell folks about the great Negro League players from that city. And when those players were still alive, I, I got to know, did you write it down, their history, chronicle it, or is it just kept in your head?
1: Yeah, yeah you know, sad to say, it's up here. Now, at some point, I'm going to have to write this stuff down or at least record it, and, you know, these opportunities like we have now helps keep this in the forefront of my memories as well because I'm not getting any younger. But, you know, I was like a sponge. I really was. And they paid me to hang out. With Buck O'Neill. I mean, if you could imagine that, you know, I would have done that for free. And, and so I'm around the likes of Buck O'Neill and Ernie Banks and Minnie Minoso, Ted Double Duty Radcliffe. So I'm hearing these stories of great Monty Irvin. I'm hearing these stories as firsthand accounts, and I'm soaking it up like a sponge. And I don't know what has given me the capacity to retain this information and to be able to share it and hopefully share it in ways in which people can relate to it. They feel it, they are hopefully moved and inspired by the messages that we share as it relates to this history. And this work though has been a blessing. It has been an absolute blessing. As I mentioned, the day that I stepped foot in that little one room office, I had literally walked into my passion and to spend the time that I got to spend with so many of these legendary stars. And the thing that struck me about them was their spirits. Their spirits were so endearing because had they been bitter, I think every one of us would have said, you have every right to be bitter. And to a player I ever met, not one of them ever harbored any bitterness or spoke any ill will toward anyone who may have attempted to perpetrate something against them as they were traveling the highways and byways of this country trying to play baseball. And I just found that spirit to be amazing. And and so when you're around people like that, and we talked about this off camera, when you're around positive people, that positivity kind of spills over on you. Now, some of that is innate as who I am, and I've always been that way. But I was so fascinated by this history because I was a baseball fan, at least I thought I was. And here was this chapter of baseball in Americana I didn't know a doggone thing about. And and like I said, I just wanted to learn as much as I could. I didn't want to keep it to myself. I wanted everybody else to feel the same way I felt about it. I, I had no idea that it would turn into a career. You know, I'm volunteering at that time. That's 29 years ago. 29 years of affiliation with this organization, and I find the history just as fascinating today as I did when I walked into that little one room office 29 years ago.
0: Bob, stay with us. Up next, it's the role of the Negro Leagues in our country at the time in which they played. Society, what it meant to America. That's next on Scoops with Danny Mac here on FOX 2. Scoops with Danny Mac on FOX 2 is brought to you by Lordo's Diamonds, On The Run, STLTaxLawyer.com, Triad Bank, and Lou Fuse. Welcome back to the show on FOX 2. I'm Dan McLaughlin. The Negro Leagues and their teams began play in the 1920s. It was over by the late 1940s. These great ball players weren't allowed to be a part of Major League Baseball, and that's a shame. Yet, these men and women had their leagues through the thick and thin of what was, at times, financial strife. So let's bring in back uh, Bob Kendrick. A- and Bob, what's amazing is that these men didn't really show any bitterness and were a great example of the human spirit during that time and that period.
1: No, no. And and, and I... I think had I not been around buck and exposed to understanding what this story really represented both on and off the field. And then I, f- I finally grasped it because what we have here is the circumstances, the situation that dictated a need for a Negro Leagues. Yes, those are sorrowful. Segregation is a horrible chapter in this country's history, one of its most shameful chapters in this country's history. But out of segregation rose this wonderful story of triumph and conquest. And Dan, it's all based on one small simple principle. You won't let me play with you in the major leagues? Okay, I'll create my own league. And my league will then rise to rival, and in many cities across this country, surpass the league that wouldn't allow me to play. That is triumph over that adversity. In essence, that is the American way. And so while America was trying to prevent them from sharing in the joys of her so-called national pastime, it was the American spirit that allowed them to persevere and prevail. And I think that's why our visitors walk away from this experience cheering the power of the human spirit to do just that. Persevere and prevail. There's nothing sad about this story. No, 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 I tell people all the time. If you come here expecting to be introduced to a sad, somber story, man, you got the wrong place. Y'all yeah, no, you got the wrong place. Now we set it up so that you understand the obstacles that were before them. Man, but they never succumbed to that. They never allowed the social circumstances to kill their love of the game. And that's what I talk about with my young major leaguers when they come here, it's about love of the game.
0: So Bob, from the the young folks that have no idea about our country at that time, to those that went through it, what is the reaction you get from people that walk through and come through the museum?
1: Well, number one, I love the opportunity for our children to get a generational understanding. Because it's one thing for me to share this history, it's another thing for them to see it and witness it and hear it from those who lived it. And I think it is tremendously impactful. And what it does is it reminds us, as the late great Buckle Neal would so beautifully say, what we do here at the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum is, is actually rare. Because it's rare in our society that we ever celebrate the people who built the bridge. We celebrate the people who crossed over the bridge, but here we celebrate the bridge builders. And when you can make that connection on all kinds of levels, you know, and that's why I love it when they are able, when we get that generation who remembers going to those games, they don't remember a painful time. What they remember is how much fun they had at those games and then where they went after those games. And you see people immaculately dressed you know going to those games and they're relating that back but the byproduct of progress is that we have a tendency to forget and we don't want people to forget what others did to lay the foundation for the freedoms and liberties and opportunities that others got to take advantage of and i think that's why cultural institutions like the negro leagues baseball museum are so vitally important
0: Okay, final question. When somebody walks into the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, what are you most proud of?
1: You know, just to see this place evolve from that one-room office to what we now have is about 10,000 square feet of exhibit space, but also now starting to dream about the future opportunities for this institution to continue to grow it. We're right now in the midst of building the Buck O'Neill Education and Research Center in the site of the Paseo YMCA. It was in that building on February 13, 1920, that Andrew Rube Foster led a group of eight independent black baseball team owners mm-hmm. into a meeting held there and they established the Negro National League, the first successful organized black baseball league and now we have the opportunity to go full circle right back into the very building that gave birth to the story. We're now charged with preserving, and that's another great step forward for this museum. And so we're excited about the future. We think, even though we've been doing this now for over 30 years, we feel like we've just scratched the surface in terms of what this museum can and will be as we move to the future. Bob, thank you so much for everything. Man, my pleasure. Well, if
0: you have the time, take the trip across the state and take in history. Make sure you take in the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum in Kansas City. For Bob Kendrick, I'm Dan McLaughlin, and we'll see you next week at 1030 here on Fox 2.